This morning, I'm going to be sharing on the parable of the unforgiving servant. The parable of the unforgiving servant. And like I said, this is a message that is going to challenge us. So I want to start out with some prayer. Would you guys pray with me? God, we just invite you into this house this morning, God. I ask that you would open our ears, open our hearts to receive your word, God. And I pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that it wouldn't be me up here, but that it would be you. And God, that this message would challenge us to walk in the way that you have called us to walk, God. I pray that today would be a time where we don't leave the same as we came in, God. And I pray that this would go so much farther than just a Sunday morning, but every day throughout the week as we live and become a testimony of your forgiveness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read this parable. It's from Matthew 18 is, is what I'm going to read out of. And it starts in verse 21. And this, th- this little part here is actually before the parable. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Listen to this. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. These parables are metaphors, they're stories that teach us principles of the kingdom of God. The, start, the, the parable starts out with Peter asking Jesus. Earlier in the, in the chapter what happens is Jesus is teaching about forgiveness. He's teaching about offense and how to handle bitterness and offense and things like that when they happen. And I always picture like, like this. Petey, as I like to call him, is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Okay, Peter is very outgoing. He's very extroverted, as we see through all the stories in the Bible. And this is kind of how I picture this happening. Okay, this, just, just follow with me, okay? Peter, Peter, I think, is trying to be a little bit of a smart aleck right here. Right? He's trying to prove to Jesus that he thinks he gets it. He's like, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? Do you see that? Now, if someone wrongs you seven times, that, I mean, come on, right? That's a lot. So Peter's saying, seven times? 
And Jesus is like, Peter, Peter. 77 times, Peter. See, we have to understand that that number 77 isn't exactly 77 times. Does everyone understand that? When, when you get to 77 on your counter of wrongs, it doesn't stop. Jesus is saying, look, it's a lot more than you think. It's, it's a big amount. And I believe that in this parable, there's three things, three important things that this teaches us. The first one is this, and if, if, if you have the outline on your seat, I encourage you to follow along. What this parable does, and what Jesus was saying through this parable, this parable puts the forgiveness of God into context. Now, through the story, we see this talk about talents and denarii. How many of you guys are like, what the heck is that? I'm a math guy, okay? I enjoy math. I also am a very visual person. So I wanted to crack this code. I wanted to see exactly what was happening here. So I did some math, okay? One talent in biblical times was worth 20 years worth of wages. 20 years. Okay? So I decided I'm going to break it down even further so that we can understand exactly what's happening here. Minimum wage in Colorado is $9.30 an hour right now. Okay? Right now. Okay? I said right now. If you were to work 40 hours a week at $9.30 an hour, as we can assume this laborer did because he probably made minimum wage, for 40 hours a week, and then you include 32 hours a week of overtime, so you're getting pay and a half, because back then they worked 12 hours a day for six days a week, you would make $40,920 a year. Not bad. But this person was in debt, how many talents? How many talents? Yeah. That's what, someone say, that's a lot. If you were to multiply that out, this person was in debt over $8 billion to his master. $8 billion, $140 million. $8 billion, $140 million. That's how much he was in debt to his master. That's where, you would, that's where you can write that down because what Jesus is saying here is this servant was in debt to his master an amount that could not ever be paid back. It's, it's unthinkable. It's unimaginable how much debt this servant was in. And as we read the parable, it goes on to say, right, he's freed, he begs for forgiveness, the master has pity on him, and then he goes along and he's got a buddy who owes him, owes him some money. And it, look, this dude's not going to get punked, okay? He's not going to get punked. How, how much money does it say that the, ser the servant of the servant owed that servant? A hundred denarii. One denarii is worth one day's wages. If you do that same math that I just did with you, the servant was owed $13,000. A little bit over $13,000. You see, what this parable does is it shows us, it tells us 
the context of what Jesus has done for us in comparison to what goes on in our lives every day. Are you guys with me? Are you guys asleep? Is this waking you up? Is this, is this revealing something to you, hopefully? Because I, there's something powerful about this. The master forgives the servant. There's no, there's no conditions to it. Do you see that? There's, there's, no, there's no, I'll forgive you, but. There's no, you don't see that. And, and the servant goes on his way, and I don't think he really understood what just happened. Because he finds his servant and says, pay what you owe, and he chokes him, and then he hears the same speech that he just recited to his master and refuses to let him go. See, this parable puts the forgiveness of God into context. Number two, check this out. It places an expectation on those who have received forgiveness to also forgive. This parable teaches us how we ought to live. Much like other parables, the prodigal son, the attitude that we're supposed to have towards other people, this teaches us that when you accept the forgiveness of God, there's an expectation on your life to turn around and forgive other people. We're going to get into that a little bit later. These first three points, we're going to go pretty quickly. Number three, it shows the power of a testimony built on forgiveness. It shows the power of a testimony built on forgiveness. This servant, as he went and was forgiven, became a representation of what his master had done. He became an ambassador of his master in that testimony. And he turned around, and he didn't do what his master did. And all the other servants see what's going on, and they were troubled by it. There's a testimony to be built in your life. We'll get into that as well. See, it's very clear that this parable is about forgiveness. It's about mercy. It's about grace. This parable teaches us the master is God. We have this insurmountable amount of debt that cannot be paid back in no way, shape, or form. After hundreds and hundreds of years of work, which we could, it's not possible. And that debt has been forgiven. And then on top of that, there's a challenge. That we, in turn, are supposed to turn around and forgive others. And I want to give you five keys today to living a forgiving lifestyle. This is where we really start to run. This is where we really start to take off. Because it's clear that God has challenged us to live a forgiving lifestyle. But there's five keys. There's five things that we need to understand. Five things that need to be at the center of our heart so that we can comprehend God's love and live it out in our lives. See, Romans 12.1 says to be renewed, right? Does anyone know that verse? Because I'm blanking on it. 12.1, Romans 12.1. Hold on. Do not, thank you. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed by the washing of your mind. We have to turn to the word of God so that our minds can be renewed. And that's, what we're, that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. Turn to the first key there. Your first key is this, that true forgiveness is fueled by compassion and love. When you read the parable, Matthew 18, 27, it says this, And out of 
pity for him. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This master had compassion, right? After this guy gets on his knees and says, please forgive me. There's no way I can pay this. The master's heart felt for him. It's the same with God towards us. Our, our relationship with God was separated by sin. By the way, the sin is that debt. It's something that keeps us from eternal life. It's something that keeps us from peace, from hope, from joy. All the things that we would consider to be good in life, all the things that have meaning and purpose, sin has separated us from those things, and it's an insurmountable amount of debt because of the holiness of God. But God had love for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him will have everlasting life, shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's love. True forgiveness is fueled by compassion and love. You want to know how to forgive? Live a compassion-filled and love-filled life. And understand that God feels that way towards you, even though your debt cannot be paid. You, okay, the Bible says, let the learned in the house say amen. I know pastor teaches this a lot, okay? But there's something powerful about this not being a recitation of something I put on a piece of paper, but this being the living word of God this morning. I believe that this message is for each and every one of us because we have still not gotten it. There's no one out there who has gotten this principle, so we all have to understand that we need this word this morning. It's not, look, it's not me, guys. I've spent time and time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to fall on this message so that it can pierce your hearts and fall in the right soil. I'm here for you this morning. God is here for you this morning. He wants to see you walk out of these doors and church be so much more than a Sunday morning. But we have to open our hearts. We have to be here this morning. It's not enough to just check yourself off of an attendance sheet. Your mind has to be here. Your heart has to be here. Your will has to be here this morning. Are you with me? Let your life be filled with compassion and love because it will fuel true forgiveness. Number two, true forgiveness is an unconditional response to a life full of conditional circumstances. Did you hear me? True forgiveness is an unconditional response to a life full of conditional circumstances. Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? As many as this condition? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. I don't care how many times people wrong you. I don't care what that wronging looks like, Peter. You're supposed to forgive unconditionally for people. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he had just been beaten. He had just been bruised. He was innocent. And he's hanging on the cross. And Jesus gave the ultimate example of unconditional forgiveness. As they're sitting there mocking him, laughing at him, he says, Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. I'm not discrediting the wrongs that people do against you in your life. They're very real. Our wrong against God is very real. It has separated us. But because of the example that Jesus set, because of how he has challenged us to live, the details are irrelevant. The conditions are irrelevant. The only thing that matters is living a lifestyle of forgiveness. If you're keeping a notebook of wrongs, you're not getting it. See, we don't have to write it down to keep a record of it. Do you know that? Because when you keep a record of a wrong, it takes root in your heart. It's called bitterness. And sometimes we don't even know it's there. Sometimes we don't know that the bitterness in our hearts from the wrongs that people have done to us are there. You have to be willing to search. You have to be willing to live a life that says no matter what people do, no matter how bad the wrong, how classified the sin, forgiveness will be the centerfold of my life because Jesus set that example for me. His grace doesn't run out, guys. His mercies don't end. We don't sing about it for no reason. His mercies never end, and there's something spectacular about that fact. Are you guys with me this morning? Woo! God is good. Oh, nice. Thank you. Number three, true forgiveness is not a verbal statement. Rather, it is a lifestyle that reflects God's unconditional love. I was, I was sharing this with Danielle yesterday, and I, I came up with this awesome story that I'm going to share with you guys. Okay, Danielle, can you, can you stand up here? So I am, Paul, Paul says, okay, Paul says that he's the chief sinner, right? Do you guys all know that? Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is telling people, like, look, I sin as much as anyone, okay? I'm the chief sinner, okay? Here's, here's, here's how I know that. Because in my marriage... I demand a sorry. Is there anyone else married in here, or am I just like alone, or what's going on? In my marriage, when I get wronged, I demand a sorry. You better know what you did was wrong. Now, I want to paint a picture for you, okay? Imagine Daniel walks up to me, and all of her pride and everything like that, and she comes up to me and says, Tim Tebow is not a good quarterback. First of all, he's a great quarterback. Thank you. Opinions aside. Okay. Second of all, you better, I need you to say sorry. And until you do, you can go sit in your corner. That doesn't happen, okay? I just want, I just want you to know that. That does not happen. But what happens is I am waiting to extend my forgiveness towards her for her to say sorry towards me. And then those magical words happen when that when you say them, you instantly forgive people. It's okay. Thank you, babe. You can sit down. Tim Tebow's a great quarterback. See, too often we think that our forgiveness is defined by a verbal statement. It's okay. But the reality is this. Forgiveness is a lifestyle that reflects 
God's unconditional love. Forgiveness happens long before you ever get wronged. Forgiveness happens long before you ever get wronged. How do I know that? Because it's unconditional. That no matter what happens, guys, you're going to extend forgiveness. And until you have that heart, you're going to be ruled and controlled by the circumstances that surround you. You can't control other people. All you can control is yourself and your relationship with God. Until you understand that you're $8 billion plus in debt, something that you can never possibly pay, you're not going to understand how to forgive the $13,000 that someone else owes you. We have to come to a new understanding because we grow numb to what God's love is in our life. What salvation actually consists of. It's something that we cannot comprehend and there's power in that. We live in a world where justice rules all. And don't get me wrong, I'm not asking for complete anarchy. But we want people to suffer for what they did to us when Jesus already did that. It doesn't matter how you feel because Jesus already felt it. Oh. Did you hear me? It doesn't matter how you feel because Jesus already felt it. That brings me to my next point here. Our forgiveness towards others is not separate from God's forgiveness towards us. In the parable, the master says this to the servant in verse 33, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, listen, as I had mercy on you. See, there's almost two halves to this story. There's almost two halves. There's the half where the master forgives the servant and then we see the servant run on his way. And there's, there's a similar situation where the servant is approaching his servant. And there's no forgiveness. The thing that the servant missed was that those two scenarios are tied together. That in itself, it would be crazy to forgive $13,000 worth of debt. That's no little amount of money. But it was because of what had just happened that that expectation was placed on his life. The forgiveness that the servant needed to extend towards his servant was not independent. Rather, it was tied to the master's forgiveness towards the servant. It was, it was linked. It was hand in hand. See, we're called to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. We're called to understand what it means to walk in the light. I want to go backwards a little bit here. 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness had, has blinded his eyes. Excuse me. When you decide to walk in forgiveness, you decide to walk in the same steps that Jesus walked in. And in so doing, you begin to walk in the light. I like to say it this way. When you live in sin, you're never going to have the full picture of what the gospel is. 
Yes, mercy is there. Yes, grace is there. But if you're living in sin, you're walking in darkness, and you cannot see the full beauty of who Jesus is. The full entirety of his plan for your life. We cannot allow ourselves to walk in darkness, walk in bitterness, because there's a beautiful thing called forgiveness out there that, God, that Jesus is extending towards us that never runs dry. See, the word, I just want you to think about the word forgiveness. The prefix for means before, preceding. Before it ever happens, you are to give. You ever think about that? Forgiveness? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Colossians 3.13 says this, B. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It doesn't say you must forgive. It says, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. The servant didn't get it. The servant took advantage of what had just happened. And he missed his opportunity to live a testimony of forgiveness. Number five, true forgiveness will always open the door for reconciliation. True forgiveness will always open the door for reconciliation. <laughs> you see, too many people out there view Jesus as an IRS agent instead of a savior. Too many people think that Jesus came to tell us what we owe instead of paying what we owe. But are you doing anything about it? Are you doing anything to change their mindset that says, no, 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 no. The master paid your debt. See, too often we're focused on the, on the bummer fact that we're in debt to our master that we can't look up and see that the master's like, oh, it's all good. Here you go. I did this for you. But rather, we're mad because we're in debt to the master. Forgiveness was extended for you long before you ever did anything wrong. Before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. The forgiveness was already in place. It was already planned. See, reconciliation is exactly what Jesus did. He came down so that we might have relationship once again with the Father. See, what happened was God loved us so much that he created us. And he gave us a choice. And in so doing, he wanted people who would love him and worship him and praise him as the Father. And we have made some wrong decisions that have separated us from the character of of God. We have to understand that God's holiness and our sin can never match. I, it was explained to me like this once, if you think about it. God is fire and we're paper. As much as you might want to bring those two together, it can never happen. Because the fire will always outlast the paper. It will always consume the paper because its characteristics are greater. Its chemistry doesn't allow for it to happen. But there's good news. Even though we're in debt, it can't change. Jesus comes in. 
God wanted relationship back with us again, reconciliation. He wanted to tie us back together. And so he sent his son. And what Jesus had to do was he had to live a life that was perfect. To clear the air. To live a holy and pure life. The Bible says that he suffered through every temptation that you and I suffered through. He felt it all. He felt the struggle, he felt the temptation, and he still overcame. He still did it for you and did it for me. And in the midst of that, he gets thrown on a cross, he gets beaten and bruised when there's no wrong. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his body being broken, he has the opportunity, you got to understand this, Jesus had the opportunity to end it all. He could have just stopped But he understood that his pain had a purpose. And in so doing, because he was perfect, because he was holy, he stepped outside of those bounds of sin and holiness. And he justified us because he cares about us that much. He came in and paid the debt. He earned it and then he paid it. Wow. See, the gospel is beautiful. Sometimes we just grow a little bit numb to it. Forgiveness is powerful. This last point is powerful. I want to share with you guys, I want to share with you guys my testimony a little bit because I believe that my testimony, Danielle's testimony, reflects forgiveness and it reflects the power of what forgiveness can do in your life. And I want to say this, like I said earlier, I'm not discrediting what's happened to you. I'm not discrediting the wrongs that people have done to you. All I'm saying is that it's covered. (laughs) You don't have to worry about it. I'm I'm not saying that your pain isn't justified. You know, Danielle and I got engaged when we were 18. She was 19. She's a lot older than I am. (laughs) <laughs> and we, we were pursuing each other, um, and we started walking in the wrong way. We fell into sin. Bad. And on top of that, we lied about it to everyone. We didn't want accountability because we had a reputation to uphold. And in the midst of that sin... It broke us both down, and we, we tore apart from each other. Danielle ran to something else for her security. I was, I was mad. I was angry. We broke up. It was terrible. It was the most painful time in my life. And I thought by saying that I forgave her, as everyone around me was telling me, that my anger and my bitterness was justified, that I was justified in just letting that be, letting that be the past. I thought that I had forgiven her by saying, I forgive her. I'm talking our whole lives were shaken up, they were stirred because of the decisions that we made. 
And the decisions that we made towards each other had created such a bitterness inside both of us towards each other that we didn't talk for six months. Some of you guys didn't know this. You're like, wow, I thought you were perfect. No, I'm not, I'm not even close, guys. And in the midst of that, I remember spending a night of worship on a Tuesday night specifically, and my eyes were opened, and I felt that root of bitterness in my heart. See, my last point is this. True forgiveness always requires a step of action. And this is probably what some of us don't want to hear. True forgiveness always requires a step of action. It's what God did with Jesus. Our forgiveness can't be passive. If we allow our forgiveness to be passive, then our forgiveness becomes coincidental rather than habitual. And what happened was I called her dad, if you know who her dad is, the pastor of this church. Um, anyway, I called her dad, and I said, hey, look, I feel, uh, man, I feel like God has put it on my heart. I feel like he's calling me back to Gateway. He wants me to be there. He wants me to serve there. And he was like, okay, yeah, we can, you know, we sat down and talked. And we had this great conversation, really tough conversation. And at the end of the conversation, he said, hey, by the way, Danielle wants to talk to you. And this is after six months of no contact. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right? Like, sure, okay, all right. I didn't know how I felt about it. I told him I'd have to pray about it. And God was working on my heart at the time, and I just knew. I knew I had to, I had to we had to work this out. And you got to understand, there was so much hurt there. There was so much pain there from what had happened. And on top of that, the world around us is telling us, like, you just, need to, you just need to deal with it. You need to move on. It's okay. Like, and I remember we came together, and we had a conversation in her, in her parents' basement, and we talked for about three hours. And I'll never forget, after we had, there were some other friends who were with us to, you know, make it not so awkward, whatever. We didn't want emotions to stir up like that. And I'll never forget at the end of that night, I had this feeling like, man, it feels like we just never were apart. And I was scared. I was scared because I was hurt. And the truth of the matter is, forgiveness, true forgiveness, will turn the ugliest of situations into the most beautiful ones that you'll ever see. And now, I've been married to Danielle for three years. We have two beautiful red-headed boys. If you want to know who they are, they're the fat ones. But God turned a situation where it would have been so easy to just move on with my life. It would have been the norm. Same with Danielle. And he said, I have a greater plan for this situation. I don't think there's any greater reflection of that when Jesus is on the cross. 
the ugliest of situations. Everyone who's around him thinks that he's this, he is, he's this awesome savior, but they don't, they don't get, they don't get it yet. They're like, we've lost. Jesus, Jesus is dead. Don't you understand? It's done. But God turned the ugliest situation into the most beautiful thing that we've ever seen. Will you guys stand with me? I believe, I believe this. I believe that we've all been broken. I believe that we've all done wrong things. Some of them are just flashier than others. Okay. But I believe that God is challenging us this morning to let go of the hardness and the bitterness that's in our hearts. Forgiveness is not something to look over. Forgiveness is a very important issue. Because if you're not forgiving other people, that shows that you do not understand the forgiveness of God. I want you to close your eyes right now. There's a reciprocity when it comes to forgiveness. It's what forgiveness really is. When you forgive others, you're sowing into people the kingdom of God. You're showing people the love of Christ. And you're going to get that back. I want you to picture inside of your heart, inside of your head, I know that there's someone out there who has wronged you. I know there's someone out there who has caused you to not be able to sleep at night. Someone out there who has caused so much pain in your life that you've completely scratched them off of your list. They're no longer, you, you, you can't even talk to that person. I don't care how big or small this is. One of my favorite books is called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. The devil will use bitterness and offense against you where Jesus wants to move inside of you. I'm going to ask some of the team that I've asked to come forward. I want you guys to just keep some of, some of those people I asked to pray come forward. I believe that God wants to release you from the bitterness and the hardness inside of your heart this morning. I believe that we should not walk out of this place the same way that we came in. It would be a waste of time. Because the master has extended unfathomable forgiveness towards you. The cross was the ultimate payment for your debt. For that sin that separates you from God. I want you to picture that person. And I know it's not easy, guys. Some of the wounds are deeper than others. But in order for a wound to heal, sometimes we have to pour some salt inside of it, and that hurts. But it's so vital for our health. This is so vital for your health as a person. 
I want to challenge you, if you need prayer this morning, if you need someone to talk to about that situation, there's some people up here who would love to pray for you. God's grace is amazing. It's never ending. Sometimes we just need people who are willing to listen to us, who are with us. Even the smallest root of bitterness and our hearts can destroy us. Forgiveness is a salvation thing. When we forgive others, we allow the forgiveness of God to flow in our lives. God, we just come before you this morning. And God, we reflect on your amazing grace in our lives. We thank you that you have paid our debt. We thank you that the hole that we're in is not too deep. And God, that you are extending a hand towards us of forgiveness. That you've given us the choice, God, that you've opened the door for reconciliation. And you've set the example for us as how we are to live. How we are to share your amazing forgiveness, your amazing love with other people and to reflect a lifestyle of your unconditional love. I pray for each and every person here this morning, God, that you would continue, even throughout this week, to reveal those roots of bitterness and offense of how people have wronged us, God, of, of those things that we've taken up, God. And Father, that we might humble ourselves to be able to share your forgiveness, extend your forgiveness towards others. It's not possible for us to do it on our own strength, but it is possible when we realize what you've done for us. So God, I pray that you would soften our hearts even as we go today. Show us, give us opportunities to reach out to people. To those people who have wronged us, God, I pray that we would take a step of action to talk to those people. As your word says, God, that we would go to our brother, that person, God, and tell them what's wrong. Don't let us be passive in our forgiveness, God. Be with us as we go this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's still some people praying, uh, so just be respectful of that. But I just want to thank you guys for joining us this Sunday. Uh, if this is your first time or if you haven't gotten the chance yet to, uh, we would love to have you at our guest welcome, which happens right after the service in that back room back there. You'll get to meet some of our team. We have a small gift for you as well. And then also, if you haven't had the chance to sign up for our starting point class yet, if you've never been, maybe you've recently started attending, you can sign up for that in the information center. That's going to be next Sunday after our service, and it's an awesome time. We provide lunch, we provide child care, and we just want to get to know you a little bit better. So if you get the opportunity, sign up for that today. We would love to see you there. And other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.